Benedict XVI has published his apostolic letter called Porta Fidei, or Door of Faith in English. This document officially calls for the Year of the Faith. Hello, thank you for joining us for Porta Fidei, the show that looks at the Catechism of the Catholic Church in light of this great year of faith. I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And I'm Valerie Soup. And you are joining us for our third episode of Porta Fidei. In our last episode, we looked at number 29, some of the causes of atheism in our world. We're going to continue in our discussion to numbers 31 to 35 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Now, this part of the Catechism is really a great collection explaining how we can know God. First of all, in our own discipleship, but then also to our world, how can we approach the person who is, last time we talked about the secular mindset, the person who is a secular person, how can we present arguments to show, hey, God's real and God exists, and maybe we can just dive right into these numbers of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Valerie, maybe we can go to, to number 32 of the Catechism, because I think it just really starts a really good discussion. Yes, Father. So I'm going to go ahead and read it for our listeners. Number 32 starts, The World. Starting from movement, becoming, contingency, and the world's order and beauty, one can come to a knowledge of God as the origin and the end of the universe. And then the Catechism is going to quote St. Paul speaking to the Gentiles from Romans. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. And then the Catechism goes on to quote St. Augustine, and St. Augustine issues this challenge. He says, Question the beauty of the earth, question the beauty of the sea, question the beauty of the air distending and diffusing itself, question the beauty of the sky, question all these realities, all respond, see, we are beautiful. Their beauty is a profession. These beauties are subject to change. Who made them if not the beautiful one who is not subject to change? Okay, leave it to Augustine to just set the tone, huh? Definitely. Such a beautiful quote. And I think all of us have had that experience of seeing something in nature that is just beautiful and that is transcendent and takes you outside of yourself. I can think for me personally, I love the ocean and I actually have a degree in marine biology and I love scuba diving. And whenever I am scuba diving, it's very peaceful. You just hear the sound of your breathing and the beauty that can be found, for example, on a coral reef. This one time I saw a huge manta ray that was like 10 feet across to the tiniest, smallest little fish that just has these bright colors, the intricacies of how everything works together are so perfectly designed and planned. I know from my personal experience, when I studied science, Science did not become a reason for me to reject God, but became further proof that there must be a creator. Absolutely. And Valerie, too, even as you were speaking, I can remember vividly as a college student in Ohio. I would drive from Ohio, oftentimes try to drive through the night just to get home here to South Carolina. And as soon as possible, oftentimes driving and passing West Virginia. I remember one evening it was just really, really dark. And of course, there were no streetlights and so on. And I just pulled over partly because I was, I was tired, but also because I was just so captivated by the stars and so on. And 
And I was up on a hill and I hadn't realized there was a town in the the valley. And when I was sitting there watching, I, I could not tell where the sky ended and the ground began. I could not tell which were lights from people's homes and which were the stars. Wow. You know, just all blended in this beautiful array of, of life, of existence. And, and I think each of these moments when we have them, certainly as the catechism tells us and number 32 of the catechism in particular, that you know, the world does, it does point. You know, as Augustine says, question that beauty. Question that beauty. Don't mm-hmm. just let that sit there. there. There's something there that is definitely intimately a part of us, but also something that is beyond us, mm-hmm. you know, and certainly calls us to go beyond ourselves. And I'm just myself amazed at how many people can be moved by beauty, but then not ask those questions, you know. What is this all about? Why do I feel this way? Where is this point? What is the point of this? What is the meaning so I think number 32 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church is extremely helpful in giving us some language and words on how to present belief to ourselves when dark moments maybe, or especially the person who is struggling with secularism. If you're just tuning in, we do want to remind you that this is Valerie Soup. And Father Jeff Kirby. And you're joining us for Puerta Fidei. So we've talked about seeing God in creation, but then the Catechism in number 33 brings us to the human person. Father, what do you what do you think about that? I'm oftentimes moved by this particular number, number 33 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the wording of that. Uh, if you could go ahead and, and read that for us, Valerie. Yes, Father. It says, with his openness to truth, talking about the human person, with his openness to truth and beauty, his sense of moral goodness, his freedom and the voice of his conscience, with his longings for the infinite and for happiness, man questions himself about God's existence. In all this, he discerns signs of his spiritual soul, the soul, the seed of eternity we bear in ourselves, irreducible to the merely material, can have its origin only in God. Similar to number 32 with the natural arguments, here we see uh, number 33 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church giving the arguments for just the transcendental aspects, the spiritual soul of the human person. Like, you know, for example, we hear these stories of you know, a bank robber who 20 years ago robbed a bank and then 20 years later he's turning himself in. It's like, why was he doing that? He was free. There's no way they would have caught him. He's an older man now. He could live his, the rest of his life on the money he's stolen. But there's something in his conscience, something that plagues him. And this is not just mere convention. Sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, they do that because we were taught that stealing is wrong and so on. And they're certainly a part of that. But why do we teach that? Why is it there's something in every human heart that says, that's right. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's good to teach that. And you know, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do this and so on. And the fact that we see already just in our conscience, there's something beyond ourselves. You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to just obey these raw instincts. But there's something that says stop. Mm-hmm. Something that says you shouldn't do it. Or if we do it, it says that was wrong. And it kind of accuses us. And it will not stop accusing us. You know? And so number 33 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church just kind of points to that. And also just the whole experience of Similar to what we were discussing with number 32 of the Catechism, that whole experience of, of just transcendence, mm-hmm. you know, of human love. Yes, Father. Man, the human person, throughout all time has always asked those questions of why am I here? And I think we can even see that dichotomy in man, that something in him is longing for transcendence, but yet he's also confronted with the reality of his own limitations and his weakness. I think all of us can attest to the fact that there's that tension inside of us why is that tension there if not that we were created to be transcendent, that we are spiritual beings created for eternity, that 
as the Catechism describes the soul as the seed of eternity that we bear within ourselves. Yes, and there is something that's certainly inside of us that does cry out. The fact that we can have this infinite need and yet a limited capacity to fulfill mm. it. So, for example, I tell people sometimes, think of everything you want. People are miserable. Oh, I hate my life. My life's so dark. And someone's like, well, list everything you want. Just list everything you want. Just list them. What, what do you want? They make this list and someone's like, good, done. You've got it. Now what? And what do you mean? I'm like, okay, we'll make another list. What do you want? They make another list. <laughs> you know? It's like, wait a minute. You, I just told you to list everything you wanted and you got it. But now there's a second list. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. You got your second list. Now what? And eventually they get to the point where there really is this infinite need that the things of this world, as good and beautiful as they are, there's this need that goes beyond them. Mm -hmm. And that the beauty and the goodness of this world points us to those, mm -hmm. to this infinite source, which of course is, is God himself. If you're just tuning in, this is Porta Fide, our third episode. I am Valerie Soup. And I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And we are looking at paragraphs 31 through 35 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. As we talk about number 32 and number 33, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it leads us to number 34, which is almost a summary, really, of number 32 and, and number 33. But number 34, the Catechism goes on to say, the world and man attest that they contain within themselves neither their first principle nor their final end, but rather that they participate in being itself, which alone is without origin or end. Thus, in different ways, man can come to know that there exists a reality which is the first cause and final end of all things, a reality that everyone calls God. What I particularly like about number 34 there is just the assertion that we ourselves are, are not the cause nor the end of, of our lives. You know, St. Paul later in, in his letters to the Romans will, will stress that, say, you know, whether we are alive or whether we are dead, we, we are the Lord's. And I think it's, it's good to remind ourselves of that because so oftentimes people want to come up with, well, no, we, we created our own selves, we created existence, or we can conclude it. One has to ask what really is behind various technologies and stuff that we come up with. Mm -hmm. And part of it, consciously or not, is probably a desire to end it. If things don't go the way I want, then I'll push this button and that's it, this is over. So both at the beginning and the end, we see human efforts to control or to falsely assert, well, no, I've begun or I can end. And of course, we see this also in our own personal lives and in our society with the argument for assisted physician-assisted suicide and, and of course with abortion and various things, Joe. You know. So here the catechism brings that great light in coming to a knowledge of God we realize it's all right. We didn't create the beginning and we're not going to create the mm -hmm. end and we can just relax. People get so nervous and so stressed out. The great thing about believing in God is we can. We can have that rest. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean we, we don't have a part to play. Of course we do. But we don't have to worry about carrying the entire weight of meaning and purpose and value in this life. Gosh, just listening to that, that reminds me of a story that I think I've, I've mentioned before, but that whole idea, the phrase that God does not need you, drawing from St. Irenaeus of Leon. I heard a homily by Father Robert Barron talking about this. If you climb to the top of the mountain and thinking of climbing the top of the mountain and there will be this like Tibetan monk or something at the top of it and you come up to him and you're like, what is the meaning of life? And he gives you the secret meaning of the universe and that would be God does not need you. 
I think once we understand that realization, it just takes all of that pressure off. Like you were saying, Father, we can kind of rest. If he doesn't need me, then why did he create me? It was out of an act of sheer love. And if he loves me that much, well, I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to worry about all these things. I don't have to make my own life what it is. I don't have to create my life for myself. God is there. And I think of people who can get so caught up in the daily happenings of their life or if something isn't going well at work or something isn't going well in you know, a relationship or something and how it can be the end of the world for mm. them if it doesn't go their way or if it doesn't go the way they want. I can't imagine living that way. It seems so fragile and so... Um, Disconnected. Yes. Precisely the examples you're giving, Valerie. I think that you know whether it's with relationships or success, someone is not accepted in the college or grad school they want. Mm. They don't receive the promotion they think they merit. And certainly we can understand, as our listeners do, that there is, of course, a natural sorrow. That's not what we're talking about, but just where the person literally crumbles. Mm. <laughs> because that's it. Yes. That's all they have. You know? Yes. We're both on the road a lot in our ministries, myself with vocations and with young adults. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we see those bumper stickers, you know, where it says something like golf is life or tennis is life or something like that, you know. And you wonder, okay, part of that's funny or tongue in cheek or something like that. But then you realize, gosh, maybe that person really means that. Mm-hmm. You know, where even where hobbies, you see these sports fanatics sometimes, situations where in some sports events people have even lost their lives and so on. You know, it's like, what is going on? And I think a part of that is when there's first origin and final end of God is lost, we start creating other things. And inevitably, to use biblical language, we create idols. Mm-hmm. You know? So in one sense, this part of the catechism here, especially number 34 of the catechism, kind of brings us back to who we are as human beings and the freedom that should be ours as human beings. And certainly, Father, we're not saying that there is something wrong with being a sports fan following sports and having those hobbies is something that is good, but it's important to be cautious in in those things. And again, talking about what priority, what place of importance do we put on those? And I think when things get disordered and the sports hobby or whatever it is becomes that false idol, the person wanting to be their own autonomous self, wanting to be that own creator of their universe, that freedom that we would say isn't true freedom, but that so-called freedom of I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want it. I have a a little boy that I used to um, nanny for, some good friends of mine. He loves Scooby-Doo, and he loves watching his Scooby-Doo programs. Yeah. But he, you know, had this situation where he wanted to watch Scooby-Doo, but it was bedtime. And he just held his ground in that defiant way that only a three-year-old can be defiant, saying, I want to watch Scooby-Doo. And later he actually came back to his mom and said, you know, Mom, I think you really need to let me watch Scooby-Doo or God is going to be mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we can I think we can laugh at that when we see it, see it in a child. But we even see that in adults of wanting to make make their own rules for their life. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I oftentimes think of this story. It's kind of comical, and I kind of laugh at myself now. Uh, a few years ago, I was asked to help with a religious profession in Nashville, Tennessee. And, of course, living here in South Carolina, I, I drove up to Nashville and, and wasn't even thinking. And they had stressed to me that I had to be at the cathedral at a certain time. You have to be there, Father. The master ceremony is going to be there. You have to be there at this time. So the traffic and various things, it was cutting 
very, very close. I was hurrying, 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 you know, and I get into Nashville and I drive by and I'm going fast and, and, and trying not to, to speed. And uh, and then I see on the left there's a bank mm. and the bank had the wrong time. I thought, you know, you think somebody would fix that. Like, you know, here it is this bank, that's this big clock and they have the wrong time and so on, you know, and they're about an hour off, you know, and I kept hurrying. I got all the way to the cathedral and I walked in, there's nobody there. And then I start getting upset. I'm thinking, you know what these sisters said to make sure I was here at a certain time. And I, and then of course I realized that <laughs> Nashville is on a different time Central zone. Time. Exactly, exactly. You know, but the entire time, never did I think maybe I was wrong. And that's just a comical, casual example. But there are people that, when God is not in the picture, that becomes the way they live for everything for love, for forgiveness, for hope, everything. It becomes so self-enclosed and so suffocating. You know? And to our listeners today, we encourage you to read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 31 to 35 in particular. This is Porta Fidei. I'm Father Jeff Kirby. And I'm Valerie Soup. And we continue our discussion on the importance of in acknowledging God and allowing God to really be the origin and, and the end of our lives, realizing that this is the reality. That we're able to have that freedom to just live and breathe and I just sometimes imagine that when people make that act of faith, when they're able to say, you know what, secularism isn't good enough. Like, I do believe in God. Not just his existence, but I believe in God. Mm. And they allow themselves to begin to live as the children of God. How much more bright and happy and joyful life really becomes. Yes, Father. That's a great lead-in to 235. Um, we saw in paragraph 34 really summed up what we had talked about and. Um, 31 through 33 of how can we acknowledge God as creator and origin and end of our life in the world and then looking at the human person. Then 35 starts to transition, and I'm just going to read that briefly. Paragraph 35 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, Man's faculties make him capable of coming to a knowledge of the existence of a personal God, but for man to be able to enter into real intimacy with him, God willed both to reveal himself to man and to give him the grace of being able to welcome this revelation in faith. The proofs of God's existence, however, can predispose one to faith and help one to see that faith is not opposed to reason. So I think, Father, what you were saying, talking about when the person comes to that point of making the act of faith and they are wanting to enter into more intimacy with this God, they are able to see in the world. Now we see in the catechism that something something else is necessary. So we looked at this natural knowledge that we can have of God, but now it seems like we're going to transition into talking about a supernatural knowledge of God. In reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church or our listeners who are following our show really need to kind of fasten their seatbelts, you know, because uh, it's going to get kind of fun because we are going to eventually see the Catechism taking us beyond the natural knowledge that we can have of God to that supernatural and, of course, the difference here is, one, we can discern through the light of our natural reason with the things we've really been discussing on mm -hmm. our show, and then those things which we can know only because God has revealed them to us. And it's not that these truths are against our reason. It's just that they are above our reason. So we definitely are going to continue to talk more about that. But, you know, Valerie, in that natural knowledge, really what we've been talking about in Numbers 31 to 35 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what that natural knowledge really shows is that that's true of any human being. Mm. You know, we haven't said it yet, but let's just say that every human being, that's a Christian, a Jewish person, a Hindu, a Buddhist, an animist of Africa, 
a person of goodwill who's just not sure what what do I hold on to, what, what's the right path, that this natural knowledge of God is something we can have just by being human beings. Mm-hmm. And all we need is a goodwill to ask the right questions, to seek the right guides, and to take that leap of faith. This is a natural knowledge of God. It also shows how united we really are, even yes. in our religious differences and so on, you know, that what do I have in common with this Buddhist person or this Hindu person or so on? This common desire for God. We, of course, talked about that in our first episode, number 27 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and number 28 kind of flows from that in the Catechism. But it's worth repeating here as we talk about number 31 to 35 in the Catechism that really we have this shared human nature and this shared patrimony of what we can know just by being human beings, regardless of whether we grew up in India and Hindus or Norway and or secular, or whether we are in northern Germany as Lutherans or here in South Carolina as Baptists, and for ourselves, thanks be to God, having been raised Catholic. But that's something we all share. Mm. And so we see, again, just the applicability and the help that the Catechism of the Catholic Church can be to all of us. These paragraphs we've been looking at, 31 through 35, are wonderful, a wonderful reference and resource for us as we want to talk with those who aren't Christians because it is that common ground from which to start from, to have a dialogue, to have a conversation about Christianity. I had the privilege of living in India for a short period of time, and I met Hindus, Buddhists, and also Sikhs. And even though our religions are very different in many ways, at the same time, there was this commonality of this desire for God, this acknowledgement of a creator, this desire for transcendence, and this desire to do God's will, and also that humility and act of faith that I saw each person make, acknowledging that I am not the creator of my life, that there is a God, and that I want to conform my life to what He wants for me. Absolutely. I'll tell you, years ago, before I went to seminary, I taught high school down in Charleston. I remember one of my students was Hindu, and they were celebrating a religious observance of some form, and they had invited me to participate, and so I definitely wanted to participate. This was a cultural event, not mm. not a religious one. Of course, in, in that world, the culture and religion is so bound, but principally a cultural event. And when I went there, the student was very concerned because I was teaching religion that I would try to, I don't know, evangelize her parents or something and stuff. And <laughs> so they're very concerned. So when I got there, her father pulled me aside and I thought, oh, this could be one of those embarrassing conversations, you know, and, and actually not at all. He pulled me aside. He said, Uh, You know, Mr. Kirby, uh, you and I have a lot of things in common. So, okay. (laughs) I was like, well, I worship one God, you worship 400. But I mean, (laughs) you know, like we can break this down. Do you know what I mean? So, but he says, uh, we have a common enemy. Now I'm kind of intrigued. And he went on to say, our our common enemy is materialism. Mm. He says, we both realize that the meaning of this world is not found just in this material world. And that was a very powerful moment for me as a young teacher, as a, in my own discipleship growing and so on. And I think in that man's conversation, we could just as well put, we have a common enemy in secularism. That, yes. That whatever I need, I can give myself. Whatever story has to be told, I will tell it. And the things of this world are enough. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Catechism of the Catholic Church challenges that. The gospel challenges that. Like, this world does not have everything we need. You know, this world is a gift. It's a means, it's wonderful, it's good, but it points to an eternal good mm. that we have to constantly draw ourselves to. You know? mm. Father, I think that's a great story. Um, I think certainly we have this knowledge that we can have of God, 
But then I always like to make that distinction between knowledge of God and actually knowing him. Oh, yes. yes. So talking about our Christian God being a personal God, being a God who wants to make himself known, who wants to be in a relationship with us. And looking back at number 35 in the catechism, it gives that phrase of being able to enter into real intimacy with him, intimacy with God. So as we have looked at these ways of knowing God and having knowledge of him, now we see that that only gets us so far. We can know about God, but to actually know him, we have to enter into a more intimate relationship. And our listeners who don't mo- know me, as I talk here, they can know a lot about me as I, as I share things about myself as I talk. But until they actually come and have a conversation with me, they're not going to really know me. They'll know things about me, but they won't really know who I really am. It's easy to just kind of fall into that of just learning about God and knowing things and even studying scripture, studying the catechism, studying all this knowledge of God. But unless we're using that knowledge to help us grow in intimacy in a real relationship with God, then that knowledge is, I don't want to say worthless, but it almost is worthless if it's not going to bring us into an actual relationship where we come to really know God. And I think that's a great point, Valerie. You know, certainly they, we are told that uh, we can only love what we know, mm. but there are so many people in our world who think they know, mm. or maybe they actually do. Maybe they've gone through our Catholic school system, or maybe they've studied this or read this or saw something on television or something, and, and, and they know, and maybe even legitimately, although sometimes maybe not as legitimate as they think, but nevertheless, they know God, but yet it's only when we enter into that relationship with God, as you're describing, that all of these pieces come together. And all the things that we're talking about in regards to having that freedom and that joy as the children of God, that only comes in the relationship. And we're certainly going to be discussing more of that as we continue our show, uh, Porta Fide. I want to thank you for joining us for episode three. We hope that you continue to tune in for Porta Fide. Thank you. This is Father Kirby. And Valerie Soup. I want to thank you for joining us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings which you bestow upon us. We ask you to send your Spirit. Help us to know you. Help us to encounter you in the ways of our own human nature, in the ways of the world around us. We ask you to open the eyes of our heart. Help us to encounter you. Help our listeners to encounter you. We ask your continued blessings. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Father Jeff Kirby. You can reach me at charlestonvocations.com as well as on Facebook, also Charleston Vocations. Hope you visit our website or visit us on Facebook. Thanks. And this is Valerie Soup. You can reach me at the website catholicyoungadultsofsc.com. That's catholicyoungadultsofsc for South Carolina.com. And you can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter.